Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. And a fine, <laughs> fine, a fine Saturday morning. I'm just gonna go. I'm just. I'm just gonna live with it. I'm just gonna live with it. I'm just gonna have to make it my thing. A fine Saturday morning to you, there, Steve. <laughs>
Good morning. <laughs> Top of the morning. I don't. It's there just it is. It's the Irish. It's, the, it's not even really Irish. It's just bad accent Saturday matinee. That's uh, what it is. That's exactly what it is. <clears throat> I should try Scottish, but I think uh, Steve oh, Smart he would, would scold me <laughs> severely. <laughs> I, and I, sadly, I, I'm not sure I would be able to identify a strong Scottish accent or be able to do a, a good no, Scottish accent. No, you might accent. end up sounding Australian, and then you're going to just offend everybody. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a bad blend of my Scottish, British, and uh, and Australian. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's us americans we don't know our geography we can't tell where our accents are from or if they're even accurate oh my well and my british often just turns to cockney which you know sounds the same to me we're we're insulting everybody on both sides okay uh, all, right. all right. I, I live in Hickville. I, you know, got a straw in my mouth and I rode in on my horse past some tumbleweeds to get to the microphone this morning. Well, you are out in the outer fringes of the Phoenix metropolitan area. So I, <laughs> I am. I am. All right, sir. Uh, so it's us. We, we, it is. It's no Pete. We're Peteless. Peteless yeah. again. He's off at PodCon learning about podcasting from real podcasting professionals. <laughs> because doing it for, what, 10 years, doesn't I, he doesn't know anything about podcasting. He's looking for hot tips. Is that what he's looking for? Yeah, I don't know what, uh, what a PodCon, I think it's just, it's for anyone. You mm-hmm. can make podcasts. You can l- just listen to podcasts. It's, it's just one of those places. They have tons of people recording shows live there. Um, which is fun because you get a lot of those comedy shows will come and do live shows, which is always a fun treat. They have workshops on, on podcasting and panels and, um, uh, all sorts of things. Plus you get to meet people and find new potential guests no, for shows. So no. it's a, it's a, it is a great it's opportunity. A good networking event. Find some, some other, other podcasters out there that, uh, yeah, connect with cross pollinate shows, grow an audience. Exactly. Yeah, great. Yeah. And just have fun with other human beings. What? <laughs> Podcasting an internet thing. That, 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 that's all about isolation, locking yourself in a room with a microphone. That's the way we do things here. Stay away from that's people. Right. I'll interact with you through a microphone connected to a computer as you're halfway across the country. That's the limit of my social comfort zone. But that's, that's it. it. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, I hope Pete is having fun. I'm sure he'll have a great, uh, great time and come back with all sorts of great stuff. So who knows? We may have an entirely new show next week <laughs> based on the tips he comes back yes. with. Yes. Oh, well, that's always, there's always something exciting and new going on here. How's your movie life been this past uh, week? Well, I, I saw that one thing that we're talking about on Sunday. Oh, that's, oh, we need to tell oh, people that. Yeah. We need to tell people that. Yeah, uh, yeah we saw Glass because we're doing the... Uh, film board, right, and it, but it's not tonight. It's not a typical Saturday. It's going to be Sunday. What is it? 11, 11 a.m. Noon. Eleven. Uh, Eleven a.m. PST. Right. PST. <laughs> Don't I sound more official yeah, I, when I, I say it that I way? Yes, it's an acronym. It makes it official. Yes. So we're <laughs> yes. So ever, all our Patreon supporters uh, know that check in will be live tomorrow at what noon Arizona time? What is that? Mountain time and eleven PST. Well, and at 10.30 PST, technically, for anyone who wants to jump in and, and uh, have a pre-show chat with oh, us. Oh, the, the, pre, the pre-show chat. It's like, it's like brunch. You get a brunch chat. 
right before before exactly. the show. Exactly. Exactly. Serve up. That's something we'll have to. Uh, I'll make a note here to uh, send a note out via Patreon, oh, yeah. so everybody is aware of the plans. So, any patron supporters listening, um, you know, but we'll also send an email. So now you'll doubly know. Yes. And let's see. So yeah. So saw a glass, and then I had been the only one in the house that had seen a Star Is Born. So shared that with two of the family members, and I don't think they enjoyed it as much as I did. And that may what? that may have been because I, I, there's something. Well, there's there's two things that happened. One, I saw it in the theater, and I think there's some of the live you know the performances the musical performances or something about seeing those on a big screen and the other thing that happened is my my sound system so i've got a, a tv but i also have a little in-home you know sound bar and like surround speakers and all that well my main sound bar died so we were watching this you know movie with great music and sound and through my tv speakers only so it sort of diminished the you know you you weren't as immersed in those you know performances and i think that may have taken away a little bit from the overall impact of the movie Mm -hmm. so so i gotta Mm -hmm. get that fixed it's it's interesting that's one of those things like bohemian rhapsody where it's like you probably want to see it on the big screen because those musical numbers are really they really shined for me, when I was watching Star is Born on the big screen, just some fantastic concert moments. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's really, yeah. that's about it. Yeah, I've been, been busy working and other stuff, and we're packing up this week to send somebody back to college later today. So trip, trip to mm. the airport later today. So lots wow. of family time. Uh, but, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, it's been you know, there's there's things that are starting to trickle out into like Hulu and Netflix that I plan on on digging into. So over the next few weeks, hope to have some stuff to talk about. So oh, what good. about you? you? Other than Glass, you've just been uh, other than Glass in the Marvel I, uh, world, I assume. Um, not no. a ton, but um, I've been you know playing catch up. You know me, I've got my my many lists over on Letterboxd. Uh, dot com that I'm actively trying to check off. I've got my Melissa McCarthy um, chronological viewing oh. that I'm I'm plowing through. Um, I've uh, hit quite a few of her films now. Actually, I'm I have uh, uh, Ghostbusters is next on my list. Uh, I finished Central Intelligence this past week, which was the 23rd of uh, the films that she's been in that I've watched. So uh, I'm just pushing through that. I'm getting close to the end. With that one, I'm trying to get the ones that I have very few films left. I'm trying to check those ones off the list because the other one that I'm working on <laughs> very slowly is my Robert Redford series. Um, I the one that I'm working on for that one is A Bridge Too Far, which is one of those three hour war epics. Oh, and yeah. I've seen it before, and for some reason, I'm just not looking forward to it. It might it might be great. I just don't remember very well, but it's just like this three hour war epic. And I started it the other night and fell asleep within five minutes. I'm like, okay, I got to do this. Not, not late at night. I give myself some time because that was not the way to uh, kick that off. But uh, slow down on the robber. You know, there's an end point on that one, right? It's not like, Oh, you're It's just, it's just a long ways away. (laughs) You've got what? Cause I mean, even 50 years to go that one. What what year was too far? A bridge too far was uh, was like seventy six, okay. seventy seven. Right. So you've got there. like forty years of film to get through. That's not yeah, that bad. Just a few. <laughs> well, and what's interesting, you, like you look at the films that I've watched, and I'm twenty films in. Okay. 
and I'm only up to uh, yeah. the because uh, 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 all the president's men was the one I I watched just uh, right before this one, and that was '76, and that was his twentieth film. And so, <laughs> so you think all the president's men number twenty? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a it's a long list after that. So. It's okay. I'm really enjoying his films. He's got some great stuff and I, a lot of films that I'm looking forward to. Uh, some that I've seen and some that I haven't. So that will be a fun one. And then um, in preparation, I guess you could say, um, because we're doing uh, our Ingmar, Ingrid Bergman series later this year, two of the films on that that, uh, that the Patreon supporters ended up picking were films that she did with Hitchcock. And I have been doing a Hitchcock series as well, kind of watching all of his films, um, uh, his sound films chronologically. And I'm also up to 20 there. I finished my 20th film this week, Lifeboat, which uh, I've seen before, but it was nice to revisit um, just to get ready because the next two on that list are uh, the two Ingrid Bergman mm. films. So now I guess I have to sit on that list until uh, yeah. I don't know, June or whatever we <laughs> Never would get around to that, but uh, yeah. So that was kind of my week. Okay. Well, I did. Speaking of Robert Redford, I did try. I tried watching Downhill Racer because it's one that mm, I just had okay. not. It, I was at the library. It was the Criterion. It was like you know, Criterion. Uh, Robert Redford. Okay, I just I really struggled with that movie. And again, I was starting it late at night, but I don't know if it was. The, the storytelling at that time in the early seventies. I just had so much trouble getting really invested in this and i from the description i thought okay you've got this like ambitious you know downhill skier and you've got gene hackman and it's like there's this young guy and he's trying to make his way under the american team and i thought this is like everything that i from the description everything i think would be this great really interesting sort of sports story i just i just Mm -hmm. cannot get into that movie at all Really it fits very much with the types of characters film character films that he was doing in the late sixties. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not that likable character. Right. He's a he's a very uh, headstrong, determined guy. Sure. He's a jerk. Yeah. Um, um. Uh, but I I actually ended up uh, liking that okay. one. I, I I did finish that one. Uh, I ended up giving it four oh, stars. Okay. So. Yeah, it's it's but it definitely was not a film that I was expecting it to be. And I don't know if that's just because in my head, I always picture sports movies are going to be much more of that celebratory, um, emotional sports journey that you yeah, have with them yeah. as they're succeeding. It was not right. that. It was very just, this is this character. He's not a great guy, but he's really determined to be right. the best. And it was, yeah, it was interesting. Right. It, it's worth trying to check it out, to it, finish it up okay. if you, right. you want to. Uh, if you give yourself oh, the time. Well, it was one that I, I pulled as a, I'm, I'm building my list for three of a kind. And so I'm looking at, um, you know, characters that are like very uh, ambitious, you know, sort of prideful characters. And so I thought, okay, from some of the descriptions, mm. I thought, okay, this is a guy who's going to do whatever it takes. And yeah, I didn't necessarily expect him to be likable, but just a very driven character. So I may have to come back to that one because I, yeah, I, I think part of it was setting aside the mindset of, oh, it's, it's a guy that's really driven, but I think I was expecting somebody a little bit more likable or relatable or something like that of like, he's the outsider and he's trying to fight his way in, but you're going to be rooting for this guy, but he's not a, yeah, you, you, it's hard to root for a guy yeah. that's not likable. So I may have to come, come it back is. around to that one. Okay. Yeah. Should we talk Marvel news? Yeah, real quick? definitely talk the Marvel news. 
Because I don't know uh, if I, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to talk about with you. <laughs> Because it's a trailer? Are we talking trailers? Because <laughs> it's a trailer. I, I, I've given up on Marvel trailers. I, I will watch them because there's not a whole lot of spoilers. I, you know, it's I know what I'm going to get. So if we're yeah. talking, are we talking Spider-Man? Spider-Man Far yeah. From Home. The They call it the teaser. Yeah. I, I always laugh when it's basically a full trailer nowadays. Oh, yeah. Um, yet they still call it a teaser. It's just an opportunity to really just release more trailers is really what it's become it's so, so funny I, but i mean it's a it's a full two minutes 46 well, seconds so of course well, it's a trailer i guess that's the thing i've i've sort of conceded on some things as i'll watch like the first trailer like for this it's like okay now i know what the film is about i know there's gonna be like six more trailers that come after this so i'm like i don't need now you're just giving me more stuff the, give me the one trailer that's all i need you know I, yeah. I, I, it gave me everything I need to know about this movie. And okay. Now I know there's going to be like more, tra- there's going to be like two or three more trailers. Then there's going to be like the TV spots that are like 30 to 40 seconds long. And all that stuff's going to be on. I don't, I'm not even going to bother with any of that. So I'll, I guess I'll say I'll watch the first one to get a general sense and, and get excited. Well, but- and, and and to that end, I mean, I do agree with you. I, I don't think they need to release as many trailers as they do. And nor do I think that they necessarily need to release them as early yeah. as they are. You know, it's I think that that uh, Sony probably could have waited until Endgame was out to release this. I don't think they, I, you know, two months, you know, it used to be plenty mm-hmm. of time to get uh, a buzz for a movie. I don't know. Uh, if they've done measurements in some capacity of if we do a trailer six months ahead or one year ahead or two months ahead, what gives us the best box office yeah. return? It's, you know, it just is like a, I don't know, it seems silly because how are you ever going to determine that? And why do they think that it's better this way? There's there's money know. at stake. You know, there's lots of research behind it. I'm sure there's everything about, you know, <laughs> yeah. building, you know, awareness out there, just getting it out there. So people it's on their radar in the longer tail you have in front of that oh there's all kinds of stuff i i think it has led to as i've seen in discord interesting conversations about where this falls in the timeline and and all kinds of speculation because that's the really interesting thing with marvel is although we're in the cinematic universe we're, we're getting movies that are different points in the timeline because we've got uh so we yeah we don't know when this spider-man movie happens because we 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 can yeah. move around we can because we're jumping back into the 90s right with um with captain, captain marvel, marvel right? yeah so this could be again prior to you know the uh infinity war we we don't know so that, and that's the great thing about comic books as well as you you can read one storyline or arc of, you know, in, in one series and then there's crossovers, but you can always have that potential to be anywhere in another character's timeline. So, well, and this particular, this is particularly interesting um, because Spider-Man is licensed by a different studio. And so Sony kind of can play by their own rules, um, even though they are, working obviously to still now fit it into the mcu and so i think that's uh, a very interesting uh dilemma that marvel ends up in the fact that you know we'll let you play with some of our characters we get to play with some of your characters um but obviously you still get to make these films on your own 
uh, accord just try to play nice and you know try to make it fit with what yes. we're doing <laughs> so i i uh i i enjoy that uh and i you know i enjoy the speculation and honestly it, it is one of those things where it's like you know uh well i don't want to get too spoilery just in this but y- you know you know that end game um certain characters are obviously going to be alive because they you know that there are other movie deals out there yes. spider-man black panther doctor strange um but you also are like well are they going to bring everybody back like who who isn't going to make it yeah. out of endgame and if this trailer takes place after endgame it does give you an idea as to certain numbers of characters that um are going to be yeah. alive later so but again it's sony they get to play in their own universe and i'm sure they probably got to do some dictating to to uh, Marvel as far as Endgame goes and saying these people will definitely uh, not be dead right. dead. Yes. Because we want them. We have licenses yeah. and we're going to use <laughs> you can't them. can't kill off our properties. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, it's it looks exciting. I love the suits, the different suits that he's wearing. Uh, I uh, I'm excited. I'm a big Spider-Man fan. and can't wait to talk about this on the marvel movie minute in 2050 uh, 2050 yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what i do like about this i was actually thinking about uh the context of covering the films of the marvel cinematic universe um we're covering iron man 10 years after it was released yes. by the time we're covering um uh <clears throat> infinity war it'll be 20 years after it's released <laughs> it's it's going to give us it's going to give us a great perspective yes. on the films. Yes. Like, it's not like covering it the year after it's released yeah. and everybody, you know, it's fresh in their minds and people have a good idea as to what, uh, what we're, uh, going to talk about and everything. This gives us some time and perspective. And, and so I actually kind of like the fact that it's going to be delayed. Oh yeah. It's, you get a different perspective on just it within the universe actors. I mean, there's, there's a, a lot of different things you'll have, uh, to discuss from a different point of view than we do right now being less than a year out from the movie and being so yeah. so sort of like tunnel vision on it you'll be able to look at it in the, the broader perspective of what came before it and what, it, as a pivot point you know where things went after i mean i think yeah when is you know iron man was you know just another superhero movie and those had a certain reputation and things changed with that movie but no one would have known exactly. that even a couple of years after what uh, what foundation was being set with that movie. So, yeah. Yeah. And in 20 years, it'll be interesting to look back and talk about like Black Panther and see how yes. that shifted things in this yeah. industry or Captain yeah. Marvel. And uh, so it's exciting. I, I think that it will allow for some nice perspective. Do you have any other Marvel news or shall we get into trailers? Go ahead. You you hopeless romantic you. <laughs> <laughs> So my trailer this week is Berlin, I Love You, which I've never been to Berlin, so I can't actually say. But I love that filmmakers from around the world have been doing these. And actually, now that it's this is the fourth in this, I guess you could call it a I guess they call it the Cities of Love franchise. Um, I would love to do this as a series. I think it would be really interesting to just look at these and see different people's perspectives on different cities around the world and what those cities mean to them. Um, first was Paris, Je t'aime, then New York, I love you. And then 
Rio, El Te Amo, and now we have Berlin, I Love You, which oddly is not in German. Uh, yes. <laughs> which, oh, whereas the rest of them are. So I don't fully understand that. I uh, am guessing, well, uh, I'm guessing it would be. Um, uh, I'm trying to look and see on, no, even in the also known as, it only has the English title and a Greek title. <laughs> so I have no idea. Anyway. I have not seen any of these movies, but I just I I've always been curious about them because they they get a bunch of directors on board and uh, and just they each tell their own little story. And this looks like just a lot of stories have blended together with a lot of great actors in it. Kira Knightley, Helen Mirren, Luke Wilson, Jim Sturgis, Mickey Rourke, uh, Hayden Panettiere. Um, who else is in Diego Luna? Um, I thought I saw that Orlando Bloom is in it, but I don't see his name on the. Uh, the list here as i scroll through it um uh just it's it's a ton of people in a bunch of different stories about life in berlin and it's one of those uh anthology i guess it's an anthology film with a bunch of different stories blending together uh much like what um uh pt anderson did with um uh magnolia or you know all these like love actually types of films and uh, I actually don't know if they blend the stories together like those, or if it's like, this is this director's story, this is this director's story, this is this director's story. Like, I'm not exactly sure how, how it all unfolds. But in the trailer, it's just this amalgam of all these people and their lives. And it's exciting to me. Um, it's directed by, this is the list of directors, Diana Agron, Peter Chelsom, Fernando Aimke, Justin Franklin, Dennis Gonsal, uh, Danny Levy, Daniel Lewowski, Joseph Rusnak, Till Schweiger, Massey Tajedin, and Gabriela Chernik. So, I'm not familiar with any of those directors, but I'm thrilled that it's one of these films that just has a nice list of directors to tell a variety of stories. What do you think? Eh, this is this. <laughs> it's not my thing. I haven't seen. Any of these, I I love short, you know, short stories. Reading them, I think there is a challenge in finding a way to to translate that to the screen, especially when you've got many stories and trying to anticipate audience expectation of is there going to be cross connections and intersections of these stories and and how much or is it just several stories and then if we're cutting between them, you know, are we losing momentum? And there, there's just nothing that I've seen in this trailer about any of these stories that are compelling me to see them. I think it's an interesting idea. I love that it gives multiple filmmakers these opportunities. And I think, you know, it, I love that this exists. It's not for me. It's nothing that I've just really been drawn to. I see that the next one they're, they're prepping uh, Shanghai is the, the next city, I guess. Nice. Uh, if you go to the city, what is it? The city of love.com website. And they talk about just this whole idea. And I love the concept of what they're doing. Uh, but yeah, it's just not a, a movie for me. And I, I love little like, anthology films like this there's been uh you know others i can think of of uh what jim jarmusch did night on earth which was like taxi drivers you know mm -hmm. there's there's great opportunities for really interesting short films sort of embedded in there it's always a mixed bag for me there'll be one or two that uh you know quentin tarantino and uh oh gosh who are the other filmmakers four rooms you know it's like you get yeah 
there's none of those that I've ever felt have been as a whole. This is like, wow, a really great solid movie. I'm going to enjoy watching over and over. It's always like, well, yeah, I enjoyed that segment. The rest, the, these other pieces, yeah, that was okay. I didn't care for this. And so I've, I've never felt compelled to spend my time on these films because I know I'm going to come out usually mostly disappointed uh, maybe finding one small gem. And so it's just not, not my thing. Well, what I think is interesting and, and just reading more about it on their website, I think um, speaks a lot to what they're trying to do. This is just their blurb. It says cities of love is a franchise of collective motion pictures, which started with Paris, Jetem and New York. I love you. It is today a global initiative whose mission is to build the communities of the people who love their city. Our model allows the development of fertile media ecosystems in cities around the world. It opens a new path for content producer, content producers and empowers them to create an unlimited variety of content away from the norms of the traditional film and media industries. Yes. And yeah. it, if you read more about it, it's it's like, so they did, it started 15 years ago. And the idea was uh, illustrating the universal, universality of love in major cities around the world. And they did that with the first three. And then <clears throat> they said their experience in Rio changed their model by opening new perspectives for social impact. And so they're now trying to find ways to do that where it can allow for more of a social impact. And I think that's really really exciting and i love that they're doing this and i mean you look at the map and one i didn't know there were so many cities of love around the world but i guess if you love your city it's a city of love is the way that they look at it um but we've got new york rio uh on the on, uh north and south america and then everything else is over in in europe and asia and uh, uh i'm curious to see how it expands because i mean man the the there are a ton of little dots one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seven eighteen nineteen twenty twenty one cities of love so i wonder if this will be grow into a 21 uh film uh anthology or if it'll just keep growing or if it'll die no, i i love the concept I'm behind curious. it and I, maybe this is one that uh, you know, I'll give a shot, but I guess because, as I said, the stories I, just aren't tackling things that seem of of interest to me. And I guess maybe I, if I if I approach each like a mini film festival, I'm going to see a bunch of little short films, and I'll I'll enjoy some and not the others. And I love the the idea that it is giving filmmakers the opportunity to operate outside of the larger system and anything that's supporting artists in that way. I fully support. Uh, just this is not perhaps the subject matter that is going to most appeal to me is all I can say. But, yeah. Well, we do also have to say Paris Jatem on the IMDb um, six star rule got a 7.3 okay. New York. I love you. 6.3 right. Rio Rio. I love you. 5.2. Oh. So it's uh, it may be slipping. So I, I guess we'll see. We'll see where uh, Berlin lands. Um, but interestingly, we'll have to wait until we get more release information because right now, the only information we have about its release is that it's being released in Greece, March 21st, uh, 2019. We don't have any release dates yet for the rest of the okay. world. And, you know, I, I will admit I do have a and probably lumping these in with the films that like Gary Marshall was doing, like those holiday films. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. Oh. And see, I think I just, you know, I'm, I'm lumping these in with that, which is, isn't, is not fair to them at all. 
But I think that's sort of, I've created this little subset of films in my head of these little Valentine's Day, New Year's yeah. Eve, Mother's Day type things. And that this is like, and it, because the title is like, New York, I love you. I'm like, oh, it's going to be really schmaltzy, cheesy love stories in New York. So uh, yeah. I need to separate that. I will make a concerted effort to not lump them together and consider checking these other things out. Okay. Well, if I watch them, I All will right. let you know. And when what is I this? Think. When is this hit in theaters? Um, uh, it, it, like I said, it's only right now Greece. listed for Greece. So, yeah. okay. So, what's your trailer? My trailer is a interesting story about a pair of high frequency traders that go up against their old boss in an effort to make millions in a fiber optic cable deal. I, this is the Hummingbird Project, <laughs> and this is about. If you, uh, it goes back to, oh gosh, what is it? Uh, the sting, where it's like you got the, you've got the information, you're going to intercept the information before it gets to its destination. But now we're dealing with like stock trading and fiber optics and like milliseconds. And so they're building some fiber optic line from here to New York that's going to allow them to get that trade information like one millisecond faster. And apparently that's going to allow them to make like $500 million. Uh, but then of course their old boss and we've got scheming and corporate espionage and everything going on. And we've got uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Alexander Skarsgård and Selma Hayek all in uh, to me, what looks like a perfect little smallish film taking on big ideas Um it's something that, again, I'm I'm seeding, you know, these shows with trailer rewind possibilities. This is one I don't know that is going to get a lot of attention, despite the cast. I hope it does. But this is just, to me, an interesting concept to see when people have large plans, there's always going to be some failure in how they respond. And is their ambition for for greed going to be rewarded in the end? Are they going to learn a lesson? What What is the ultimate, uh, I guess, moral tale that this filmmaker is trying to tell? And this is uh, from a writer-director, Kim Nguyen, who I knew in, and yeah. I do not know. I said, I don't know anything. This is not a name that I'm familiar, but digging in some interesting films that uh, he has done. Uh I on Juliet, uh, Two Lovers and a Bear, and War Witch. Haven't seen any of them, but reading their descriptions, very unique and interesting stories. Uh, so this one is a little bit more conventional. Two Lovers and a Bear is a little bit more like a fairy tale. So I'm intrigued uh, to see what he brings together with this this cast and to me a, a really interesting story and this is going to be hitting theaters uh, March 15th right there around spring break time so it 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 looks i i had seen the name of the film but i didn't know anything oh well i, I, I think i read the just the basic synopsis i'm like eh, okay that could be interesting uh jesse eisenberg he can be in some interesting stuff and uh, but i kind of passed it and then uh, you picked it for your trailer and i'm like oh okay this actually might be interesting i love the idea of these guys buying 12 inches of uh, a swath of 12 inches across people's farms underneath uh, just to lay this pipe and whatever they're doing. I thought it was just a really interesting uh, setup. And I don't know, it just kind of intrigued me. It's like a different type of heist movie. So I, mean, I thought it looked pretty interesting. It also has um, a, a, a Michael Mando in it, who um, plays, I guess, one of their partners. And uh, 
just a side note about him. He's an actor who I haven't seen in a lot of stuff, but I know he's been doing tons of TV and um, in a few films. And the Marvel tie in here is that he was in Spider-Man Homecoming as Mac Gargan, who, of course, uh, becomes the Scorpion. And at the very end of that film, you see him. He's got like a uh, a brace on his arm and meets uh, tombs in prison. And I, I guess at this point, maybe becoming the scorpion in oh, that film so okay. who knows yeah all right yeah. and of course we just got a different portrayal of scorpion in uh, spider-verse which was nice to see <laughs> it's always coming back to marvel for you isn't it <laughs> I, it is now man <laughs> i tell you that world <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <laughs> so so when does this, this one, one open is march 15th <laughs> um so like I said, right around springtime there, a little sort of alternate programming for you. Like I said, this looks like a, a smaller film. Uh, I mean, recognizable cast that I hope draws in uh, an audience. So we will see what happens uh, come spring if this one has legs and, and makes it uh, through the spring or if this is going to be one that we'll be seeing showing up on streaming services uh, you know, later in the summer. Who knows? It's a yeah. tricky one because, I mean, the IMDb star rating is 7.2. Clear and it opened at TIFF last year, yeah. um, so it's it's definitely something that's gotten good feedback. But is it a big enough film to to garner a uh, any sort of a wide right. release, or is it going to be just a a very limited release, or is it yeah. going to end up just getting that straight yeah. to video shelving? We shall see. Who yes. knows? Who knows? All right, sir. All right. Well, shall we kick into Your um, favorite list of our all, list? all time? Right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> which one, you know, which one I, are you regretting more? Were you is this worse for you, or is it lusty I, teen romances that was going to be <laughs> lusty teen romance would have been my my worst uh, one to have to do. Okay. Um, I, you know, as I said on the show, Shakespeare is not my favorite thing to watch. I always feel like I'm suffering through it, even even the good ones, <clears throat> just because it's. I really have to pay attention. Like it's just the language, just is it it, it is very tiring yes. mentally for me to watch Shakespeare films. Um, but that doesn't mean that I haven't enjoyed some of them in the past. I mean, I think there are some really good um, adaptations of his work. And uh, I guess that's what we're going to talk about. Yes. Here. So because that's what the people that. picked. They demanded it. <laughs> they did. <laughs> By an overwhelming majority this time. Wasn't really clo that close this time. So when it was tied, I had to throw my oh. vote in because I'm like, there's no way there's no way this is going to lusty teen romance. No I, way. I, I stepped aside and said, I will let the people speak. I'm not going to manipulate this one. So because I, I was, I was as happy much as with I, any of these. So, I, yeah. Well, there's yeah, there's some there were, there were good options. As much as I did want to um, put something like Shakespeare in love on my list, I okay. didn't because I'm like, I don't think that's fair even though I'd much rather watch that. <laughs> so did you go with str more strict, true Shakespearean, you know, like we're bringing this? I or did, did you go with these are adaptations and we've modernized I, it? Or so you, so you stuck with... Lion King is okay, not on my so list. I wanted okay. it to be, so you but said, I didn't go I'm going wrong. hardcore movies that are going to bore me to death because the language is so impenetrable. <laughs> That's not exactly the words that came <laughs> okay, out of my mouth. But that's what you're describing. Uh, I see. Okay. That's it. Yes. Yes, indeed. But uh, so do you want yeah, me to go let's first? see where you start off. And, and to be honest, I mean, there have been a good number of 
um, adaptations of Shakespeare's works in the last decade. I mean, I can probably name a handful, but I don't think I've seen uh, like I'm trying to think of the last adaptation of a Shakespeare film that I've seen. Um, I don't know what it was. I feel like maybe it was in the early 2000s, but it, it's no, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm going to have to now go into um, Kenneth Branagh's because I guarantee it was probably something that he did. Um, <laughs> he does one every couple of years, it because, seems. Yes. He seems to yeah. be the only one that I actually willingly you know, put myself through as far as watching uh, his Shakespeare adaptations. Um, yeah, but even him, as I'm looking at it, uh, yeah, I don't think I've seen any of his since the 90s. So I'm, I, I haven't watched a Shakespeare film in quite a while. But so the first one on my list, and I'm I'm torn because there's two routes that I can go with this, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to save one just in case uh, we have a, a, a okay. steal. I'm gonna go with a really, <laughs> really fun adaptation. It's a it's a straight adaptation of Richard the Third, and it's called Richard the Third, but it takes place in 1930s Britain, um, and uh, Ian McKellen is in it. And it's this it's this film that's set in the war era. And it was just it was actually a really exciting period to take to put this story. And when he's like my kingdom for a horse and he's looking for a tank as my as memory serves, uh, I just thought it was really fun. I mean, it was it was a great adaptation seeing him as kind of this hunchback general. I I I don't know. That was one that I I found myself really uh, I, I just enjoyed it. Um, so that's my first Richard okay. the third. Did you see that I one? I have not seen that one. That's, that's one that's on my list of things to see. And I remember when it came out hearing really good things about it, but I just was, uh, yeah, just never got around to that one. And my connection to Marvel with that is that Robert Downey Jr. is in it. So what Ian McKellen? Oh, no. Ian, yeah. Ian McKellen. That's, that's Marvel still, isn't it? But it's, 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 it's not, not the MCU, MCU, but yes, that's he's Fox right. version. Okay. So, <laughs> and then and then we have Annette Benning who is uh, in Captain Marvel. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. All right. Well, pretty much everybody sounds. You can't throw a stone it's, in it's, Hollywood yeah. without hitting somebody that's in Marvel it's, now. It's like the Brits getting into the Harry Potter yes. films. You know, it that's is. that's what it's become yes, now. It okay. Well, see I see I've got two lists. I've got my strict Shakespeare if we want to go there, but I I did come up with my people that don't love Shakespeare. Here's an entry point into Shakespeare. And here's some adaptations that you may want to consider. And there's <laughs> There's a lot of really good ones out there, but I'm, I'm going to dig deep into some of these that um, people may not have seen in a long time or heard of. And I'm just going to use this as watch this and then then you're going to get familiar with the story and that can help you navigate your way through. So I am going to start off with uh, going way, way back and for an unconventional, truly unconventional, I think unexpected uh, adaptation uh, going into the sci-fi realm with Forbidden Planet. If you have not seen Forbidden Planet, uh, I think people are familiar with the iconography of the the robot and all that, but basically Forbidden Planet, 1956, and I think people know this was one of those, uh, you know, Leslie Nielsen that everybody grew up in the 80s watching, you know, an airplane movies and being a comedian, you know, playing something a little bit more straight, a little more serious here. Uh, but this is a adaptation of Shakespeare's The Tempest, where you have people crash landing on a place and there's... Uh, in this case, a robot, but in the Tempest, it's a it's a monster, and you've got all kinds of things going on. 
to me, it's a good entry point for a, a nice film that I think people haven't seen in a long time. I know I haven't seen it in a long time, uh, but to give you the key points of a Shakespeare story in an enjoyable way that you can then uh, transition over into the more com- complex uh, Tempest. There are other adaptations of the Tempest, but for me, this is uh, probably the most easily accessible for people wanting an entry point into Shakespeare. That's bananas because I've seen this film several times and i really enjoy it and i had no idea because i've never i've never read the tempest i've never, I've never seen any versions yes. of it which is funny i mean i don't think that they say it's a, it's based no. on and a lot of times the, i think it's one of those things that probably yeah it's it's well, like similar well, it's like, i don't think there's thing, anything right? in uh, apocalypse now that says that it's you know adapted from heart of darkness if you look at the credits or screenwriting you know, I don't think there's anything that makes that connection, but it's 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 a, adapting key story elements. Same thing with Forbidden Planet. Sure. If you look, actually, if you look at IMDb writing credits, they say William Shakespeare play uncredited. So I think you know people mm-hmm. have realized that. And I do, again, when stuff's in public domain, I don't know that you need to give as much credit as you know. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, so now away. you know. And so if you if you watch <laughs> Forbidden Planet, then you start to get into the Tempest. You'll start to see some of these similarities in story. All right. Nice. The next one on my list is um, uh, I'm, I'm going big and I'm going long. I am looking at Kenneth Branagh and checking out his version of Hamlet that he did in '96. Um, I uh, there there are other versions of this, and I've seen actually probably more versions of this than any other of the films. I just think that that Branagh. Uh, did some amazing stuff with it and made an incredibly beautiful film. I mean, it is just a stunning film to look at shot in 70 millimeter. And it's just, it's, it's this magical world. There's nothing um, depressing about the world that you find in some of the other versions. It is, um, it is just, it's just a a kind of, uh, I think it's really kind of his high point of the stuff that he did with um with his shakespeare works it's just i mean it's lush it's just rich and overflowing which makes for a really great contrast to this dark story that they're telling and uh, you know he called it the first unabridged theatrical film version of hamlet running just over four hours it is a lengthy beast this is one that i did go see with friends uh in the theater on 70 millimeter because uh, we had the opportunity and we weren't going to pass it up um it was, and I think that it was um, until Paul Thomas Anderson made the master. It was the last film that was shot entirely on seventy millimeter, which is an interesting footnote considering considering it's four hours long. That's a lot of expensive footage yes. to be shooting with this thing. Um, but um, and I know that it's unabridged, but I know he kind of um, in the editing kind of moved some things around and stuff. But for me, I, even though it's it's a dense story, um, Hamlet's one that I've always still enjoyed. Just the complexities and the 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 mental games and everything. I think it's just a really interesting story, and I just thought he did a great job. So that's my number two. No, that is a that if, if I'm gonna pick my Brana Shakespeare, that that's definitely at the top of my list because that is everything just done 
so well. That's one that uh, I think for a while it may have been, I don't know if it was available on DVD or if there was a condensed version, but I know this is one, if you can find that full four-hour version and you lock down part of an afternoon to just put yourself through it, um, it's really enjoyable because it does have all the pieces. It has the main key parts of Hamlet, but he's kept all of the political side of that, which often gets cut out. And to me, it's it's really important stuff because it is a large, complex story. So I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned that one. It is one of my, my favorites. It's not one I watch a lot, I, but it is definitely high quality. Yeah. Yes. I do see that it is. it has been released on oh, Blu-ray. Okay. You can pick there it up go. in the 242-hour 242 242 version. 242 hours? That being said. <laughs> yeah, or, sorry, 242. That's what it may feel like <laughs> for you, may. yes. That's right. 242 <laughs> okay. minutes. Woo! Um, but I do see that on Amazon, the... Um, I don't know if it was a limited release or what, because it's it's um, or, or probably they just didn't make uh, a ton of copies, but they have it right now as the list price of eighty nine dollars. Oh, so okay, little yeah, yes. steep, little steep to pick okay. that one up. So maybe see if uh, your library might have it or something like uh, that. Maybe available, yeah, out on streaming somewhere. Who knows? No, it's not on. It's not no, streaming it's on not, Amazon oh, Prime. Okay. No, yeah. And actually, they do sell, now that I look at it, they do have um, the DVD versions that you can still pick up over on Amazon for like 17 Yeah, that's bucks. like buying VHS so. nowadays. Because <laughs> we're already into, we're past Blu-ray, we're into, we're into 4K well, and, now. It's, you know? It's not a movie that you want to pick up and watch on on DVD. I mean, it's so lush. Yeah. You really want that. I mean, this is one that they should re-release in a UHD 4K yeah. or whatever, you know, and just make this, because I mean, the image deserves it. Well, I see it is available for purchase digitally. Uh, looks like YouTube, Google, Vudu, iTunes, Apple, iTunes. Okay. So uh, for twelve ninety nine. So you can get... So if you get yeah. it there, eventually maybe one day they'll have a, a really fancy... Yes. upgrade that you'll automatically yes, exactly. get. All right. Oh, excellent pick. So I'm going to move up from the 50s into the 90s. And I think this may have been, I'm going to say yes. It was, this was the first Gus Van Sant film I saw in theaters because uh, I discovered him as an interesting director on Drugstore Cowboy. So when he came out with this quirky little film called My Own Private Idaho with Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix, I was intrigued. And then as I learned that it was based on Shakespeare's uh, Henry IV, I was really intrigued. And this was one of these movies that went to the theater see and walked out saying, what just happened to me? What did I just see? Because not only is it a modernization of the story of Henry IV, uh, well, which the play Henry IV, which is really part two, leads into Henry V. So we're looking at young Henry fifth before he becomes king and how he has rejected sort of the throne and everything that comes with that and is out amongst the common folk and in uh gus van sant's version that's uh you know keanu reeves out amongst sort of the the street hustlers and, and male prostitutes up in the pacific northwest and we've got all kinds of interesting visuals going on and it just really blew me away as a powerful film but again taking Shakespeare and finding sort of those common human truths and elements that make those plays endure and bringing it into a completely new and unexpected environment. It's a really interesting film. I haven't returned to it since I saw it back in theaters uh, when it was released. Um, 
but it it is a film that's had scenes that have stuck with me. You know, I find it to be um, an intriguing one. And it's funny, just like your last pick, I didn't know it was an adaptation of Shakespeare's works until much later in life. <laughs> it's oh. like, oh. See, so, yeah, funny how funny how Shakespeare he, sneaks into things without he's me realizing. Everywhere, it. yes, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny as I go through my list, I realize you know I don't really dislike dislike Shakespeare. Like all of these films, I actually really <laughs> like. Um, and so I think that's uh, it's, but it is hard. Like I, I don't willingly just sit down and put the four hour right. Hamlet. Oh on. yes, no, no um, one does. No. But this this final pick of mine, I would say, is absolutely my favorite uh, Shakespeare film. I just I really love it. I think there's a magic with it. There's this just lush romance. It's funny. Um, weirdly, it's one that I don't find the Shakespearean language um, struggle. Like I don't find it that I struggle with it. I just have so much fun. And again, going back to Kenneth Branagh, who I could have really just done an entire list of just his films because. Uh, I really, he makes great Shakespeare. What can I say? Uh, I am looking at uh, his 1993 film that he did, Much Ado About Nothing. Um, I thought it was a perfect pairing of him and Emma, Emma Thompson, who he was married to at the time. I loved the two of them on screen together. They had great chemistry. It's got Robert Sean Leonard and Kate Beckinsale. Uh, it's got Denzel Washington, Michael Keaton, Keanu Reeves. Um, I just had so much fun with this. It was a beautiful film. It was shot in in uh, Tuscany, and again, I, I think that Brana just found the way to tap into this world and just make it great. Plus, it's got a really fantastic soundtrack that Patrick Doyle did with the uh, "Sigh No More, Ladies, Sigh No More" song at the kind of center uh, of it. I just I love it. This is one that I really do love. Now, that's I think if if someone is not familiar with Shakespeare and they but they want to experience you know true shakespeare not an adaptation this is the film to sit them down with because oh my gosh the the there's so many scenes that i can just say this is a great this brings out the comedy that people forget is in shakespeare so much and kenneth brana brings it all to life and when you think about how to how to take those words and bring them to life. This movie does it better than, than any other because they're, you, you don't realize you're watching Shakespeare because these characters, he's found the right cast to understand the language. And as they're speaking these lines, you get the emotion that's behind it. it you you get the meaning behind it. Uh, you've got uh, you also have Michael Keaton in there as well as yeah, Dogberry. Dogberry. Yeah, now this is a this is a, a classic. This is yes. Basically, if if I had done my strict Shakespeare, I, yeah, you've you've pretty much hit that right here with 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 the Brana. <laughs> these two, yes, definitely. All right. All right. What's your well, number one? What's what's what what movie is what movie types are in my wheelhouse? I know exactly what your number one is. Do you want me to, what do you is, want me to guess? Okay, go ahead. Ten things I hate about you. Of course. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because I I'm knew gonna, that one was Shakespeare. <laughs> you, and so you know that one Shakespeare. You, yes. That's good. Yeah. I, I tried to hit all genres here, um, and it's most people should know that this is the taming of the shrew uh and this is the one of all the different there have been so many attempts to adapt shakespeare for and, and modernize it and, and set it in high schools and the, the other one that gets an honorable mention is tim blake nelson's O, which is an adaptation of othello but 10 things i hate about you so much fun to watch oh my gosh watching this makes me feel so old because like 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt looks like he's 12 years old in this movie. Um, of course, you know, Julia Stiles and, you know, the late Heath Ledger. Ju- this movie is so much fun. Uh, yeah, you you can sneak it in with your kids and they won't know they're watching Shakespeare. Um, this is, a, you know, captures to me the epitome of everything that was going on in the 90s with making good movies for teens, treating them intelligently. Um Actually, or in the in the two thousands. I don't think we were in the nineties at this point. I I feel like I'm in the nineties when it comes to these things. Uh, but yes, this is top of my list. If if you want to go to Shakespeare, this is it. I uh, that is one. Yeah, I had a great time with that film. Um, and I've I've seen Taming of the Shrew on stage. I've never seen any yeah. other screen versions other than uh, this one. And weirdly, I just I love keeping it that way because I think that they did such a great job of bringing this into a world that made so much sense for this story. I just loved it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm, so, oh, 1999. So it was right there on the cusp. And okay. uh, oh, looking at the cast, I forgot David Crumholtz and Allison Janney. And oh, you're going to recognize so many faces in this. It's for me, it's a bit of nostalgia. I think for kids, it'll be a nice uh, little retro look at the 90s. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where we go with with Shakespeare. And then, interesting, you mentioned oh, that one came out in 2001, just a couple years later. Yes. Oh yeah, there was, was a whole. Actually, th- that one was supposed to be 99, but that got yeah. uh, shelved for a couple of years because of uh, Columbine. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. That's dark, yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, lots of good films here. Okay. Lots of good films. See, Shakespeare doesn't need to be scary. <sighs> I know, Shakespeare is very I know. friendly. I, you know, I, I mean, I did have other good adaptations on my list as options. Yeah. I had Mel Gibson's Dark Hamlet. Yes. Um, also oh, yeah. Zeffirelli. I had yeah. Henry Henry V, good old Henry V yes. uh, that oh, that yeah. Brana did. I just I I really love his. I mean, I I appreciate Olivier's version of that one, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but uh, but Brana's I just really love. Also, sure. an amazing score by Patrick Doyle. And then jumping all the way back to uh, some Orson Welles films, his Macbeth and his Othello, I really like. So. Oh, you you look up Shakespeare adaptations. There, there's there's so many, and not just in the English language. It, there's so many different adaptations uh, globally of those stories. I mean, Kurosawa. You got to look at Throne of Blood, which is Macbeth, and Ron, which is you know King Lear. It's the stories are are universal, and there's so many great films. You may not know you're watching a Shakespeare film, and there are some you know failings. There was an attempt to remake Macbeth as sort of a 90s i don't know it was called scotland pennsylvania and it was sort of set you know (laughs) it tried to do a different take on it the three witches were sort of like three hippie stoners and yeah andy dick was one of them it it did not work out too well so there's yeah lots to choose from out there that could be you could spend two years just doing shakespeare adaptation series you really could you really could you could do like I mean, just, just oh. looking at the stuff that Kenneth Branagh has done, I mean, you could, yeah. you know, I mean, there's plenty in there. Love's Labor's yes. Lost, As You Like oh. It, uh, yes. Twelfth Night. You know, he's he's uh, a big lover of the Bard. And yes, uh, although now it seems that he's shifting to the Agatha Christie mode because uh, he's got oh, Death on the Nile right. coming uh, that's right. next year. Yeah. And so, which is fun, which is fun. Cool. Well, All that's right. our lists, everybody. Okay. So what are we going to do this week? We are kicking off our Rocky series. Rocky. Oh, yeah. yeah. We got to come up with uh, some pugilism. 
Uh, let's see. Movies with people sloppily drinking eggs. Uh, <laughs> that will be a very short list. <laughs> uh, movies with people running up the streets. Uh, we, we, I feel like, like we have to do training montages as, as an option. Okay. But now, see, here's the thing is, are there a lot, it's been a long time since I've seen Rocky. Are there a lot of training montages in the first one? I know there, we get there in, in subsequent ones. I just didn't recall it. Was there a lot of training there? montage in the first one? I, I know there's the, the running and then the punching the beef stuff, yeah, but. Right. Yeah. He's, okay. he's got that training montage right there. Okay. Um, it's not, uh, I, again, I haven't seen, uh, now I've seen the right. first two, but I haven't seen anything else. I can't speak right. to. What okay. the, I, according to Pete, we're going to have quite a load of trading montages coming yes. up in three and four. So yeah, okay. so maybe no, we, we should yeah, save that. I, but uh, you know, we might as well put it out here now and put it, let put people it pick here. something else. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, okay, we got training montages. We've got. Um, you know, we could do um, sport. Sport. This might be tricky. I don't know. Sports films where uh, where the character or team you're following loses in the end. Is that a tricky thing oh, to track down? There's uh, there's not a... Well, we can put it on the list and there could be some challenges. So, it, yeah, where it's not... you, Where victory in sports isn't sort of the ultimate resolution of the story. Right. Yeah, because it's not always about winning. Sometimes there's another lesson to be learned. We'll call yeah, it the what's not always about winning list. It's not always about winning list. Yeah. There's, okay. there's pl- I think we can find some of those. That would be an interesting one. Yeah. And uh, let's see what else. Uh, I mean, we could just go broad and just say boxing movies, and you know that can be our safety net that just we can keep it. throwing out every week for the next eight weeks. Oh, it's like a, it's like as Nick Langdon uh, pointed out. Yeah. It's like you never ended up talking about doing a Talking Animals uh, series that's, on the Planet of the true. Apes franchise. So. That's true because uh, we did, we we've already done uh, actors. Oh no, we did actors directing. Have we done actors writing? writing and actors because uh, we have Stallone wrote this one right so yeah yeah well i he mean didn't later on this one he will be right, directing he, yeah but, later um, on but we didn't we already did an actors directing should list. we do actors writing i think you should throw it out there we'll see okay see what's out there all right Maybe very short list. it's yeah. not always about winning and actors writing yeah i think it sounds good okay all right well that's going to be the list We'll get it up on uh, the Show Talk channel. So get your votes in, everybody, and we'll be back here next week talking about it. But until then, uh, Steve, it was a pleasure talking with you this fine Saturday morning. You can say it here at the end. <laughs> uh, you said fine Saturday morning. I did. I did. Just and I didn't, perfectly. I didn't even feel like, I, I didn't even think about it until you said it. No, so Pete, take that audio. That's our new intro to Saturday Matinee. Andy saying fine Saturday morning without an accent. That's how we start this show, and that's how we end this show. Uh, thanks to all of our supporters. We appreciate you. Uh, uh, all of your support uh, is uh, very meaningful to us, and, uh, and uh, enjoy the show, and have a great day, everybody. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. 
Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Get started today.